Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. with us here on Bet the Edge on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. He is Drew Dinsick and I'm your host, Sarah Perlman. Awesome show today coming up in just a bit. John Morosi of MLB Network will join us to discuss which teams have caught his eye so far this early on in the season. We're going to analyze the favorites in the Cy Young and MVP race right now as well. And Ken Barkley from You Better You Bet will handicap the Eastern Conference play-in games in the NBA, as well as discuss series prices for the Bucks, Bulls, and Sixers Raptors. And of course, we got our edge of the day to wrap up the show and a lot more coming up here on Bet the Edge powered by PointsBet. Drew. Good morning. How are we doing on the West Coast? Oh, we're enjoying some Monte Carlo tennis, watching the European red clay right now, seeing Djokovic fighting somehow. for his life. First uh, first start from Djokovic in forever. He's allowed to play in Monte Carlo. Of course, he lives there. But um, it uh, it's not, not been an impressive outing from Djokovic so far. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can find some form this summer. Okay, nice. Well, that sounds like a very fun morning. I was finishing up setting up the the new spot, the new condo, getting Wi-Fi up and running. So I'm fired up. Your um, signal is crystal my clear. Quick, guys. After crystal doing over clear. a year of the show in about 17 different houses, I have now <laughs> learned the best Wi-Fi to get. So if there's any Wi-Fi questions, call me. I'll help you. But nonetheless, we do have an awesome guest joining us first right off the bat, pun intended. We have John Morosi of MLB Network. John, you're in Philly today. You're going to New York tomorrow, I hear. I'm very envious. Seems like you got a great schedule ahead. Well, Sarah and Drew, happy opening week. It is just so great to have baseball back and here on the East Coast to be able to see two great matchups so close to each other, Phillies-Mets tonight and then Yankees-Jays on Thursday. I was there opening day at Yankee Stadium, Red Sox-Yankees. Opening day, extra innings. Josh Donaldson was the hero in his Yankees debut. The, the Certainly the storylines we've seen around baseball already this week have been so much fun. And by the way, how about last night on the West Coast, Taylor Rogers getting the save, his brother Tyler, the loss for the opposite team. Of course, Taylor just acquired by San Diego, Tyler pitching for the San Francisco Giants. So some great, rich baseball storylines already this season. That was worth staying up for and um, staying in the NL West out of curiosity. Uh, we saw the Giants get off to a hot start last season. They carried that to the surprising NL West title. Uh, any chance that we're seeing a, a rerun here with the Colorado Rockies? Uh, impressive win against the Dodgers? Yes. Uh, so I, I would say this. Uh, the Rockies, they're a better club now, of course. Uh, Chris Bryant coming over in free agency. So, so some excitement there with his long-term deal. I don't see quite the same amount of 
consistency and, and lineup depth and maybe pitching depth that the Giants had last season in, in the Rockies right now. I do think a player like Ryan McMahon is, has been underrated for a long time and is really, I think, one of the better position players in the National League West. I think he's someone who's a bit of a sleeper for me. And, and the rotation, I think, will get better as time goes on. Yes, they lose John Gray, but they still have a number of key starting pitchers back uh, in that rotation. Hermann Marquez is one of them who I think really, again, is underrated around the game. But I, I look at this division, and I've probably been a little bit more impressed in the early going by the San Diego Padres. Of course, just one loss for them so far. I alluded to them. Uh, and, and, of course, the, the great brother matchup between the Giants and Padres last night. But with the Padres having Bob Melvin as their manager, I believe he knows how to get the most out of his talent. They did that year after year in Oakland. I think now you look at this club in San Diego, it's probably one of the most talented teams he has ever had even with Fernando Tatis Jr. still on the injured list for probably half of the season. They call up C.J. Abrams to play shortstop, the top prospect. I think he's been good early on. Jake Cronenworth, of course, the product of the great University of Michigan. He's uh, making a good impact as well, as, as Jake often does. And I think we saw Sean Manaya with that no-hit bid on the first weekend of the season. So uh, Manaya, of course, knows Bob Melvin very well. So I'm, I'm, I'll say I'm a little bit more bullish on the Padres than the Rockies, but, but I do think the Rockies with Bryant and others could be better than a lot of the prognostications su suggested. The NL West is just spectacular. Dodgers right now the favorite to win the Padres behind That's them at plus 250. Um, yeah, I see Drew out there. He's, on, he's on the West Coast, so he's a little biased as well. But no, I think <laughs> you hit on all the spots there. But just looking right now in the American League, again, I mean, there's so many good teams. And in one specific division, I'd probably say the AL East again, too. Just looking at the Blue Jays and the Yankees, some of the favorites to come out of the American League. What teams in particular in the American League have really stood out to you this early on, John? I'll mention a couple. I think number one, and you alluded to the Blue Jays, even with Jose Barrios not having a great start on opening day, you saw them come back and still have that incredible comeback win uh, for the Blue Jays at Rogers Center. And I think for that team in particular, I'll make a couple points about Toronto. Number one, they came within one game of making the playoffs last year, even with having to have three different home stadiums due to the pandemic-related travel restrictions. Of course, they began the season in Dunedin, then they go to Buffalo, then eventually to Toronto. And you start to wonder, and, and where was that one game they missed where if they had been playing at home all season long, how many more games might they have won? Notable, they actually won one more game than the Braves did during the regular season last year. So that just tells you how good the Toronto Blue Jays were. Now they lose Marcus Semyon, but they also get stronger. They, they bring in uh, Matt Chapman to play third base. Certainly we can expect Vlad Jr. is off to another strong start, maybe another MVP-type season for him. The likes of Bo Bichette getting better year after year perhaps a healthy season for George Springer, the rotation, they add Kevin Gossman. And, and last night's starter, Alec Manoa, I, I know we'll talk about our award candidates later on in the conversation, but I think Manoa is someone who is a really underrated Cy Young possibility. Again, he's not the biggest name in the game, but you talk about someone that has the, has the equipment to be able to finish in the top five of a Cy Young ballot. I think Alec Manoa can certainly do that. And he's, he's going to be probably slotted third or fourth in this rotation. So, He's a little bit under the radar, but you saw his pitch making yesterday. He's been able to have success against the Yankees before, even last season, where he has never been afraid or intimidated by the best teams in the league, especially in this division. You have to have that chip on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. Alec Manoa has that. One more team I'll mention, the Houston Astros. They bring back Justin Verlander, of course, missed last year due to, due to health and, and Tommy John surgery. He had a very good first start, as did Framber Valdez, who might be a bit of an under, under the radar Cy Young candidate too. Uh, Jose Rukidi is someone who is just 
found ways to win big games during the course of his career. So all three of them having good starts so far. Alex Bregman, what a phenomenal beginning of the season for him. Of course, he had to have surgery last year on his wrist. He's now, I think, in much better shape uh, and just physically looks like himself. Of course, the reigning AL player of the week. And it's a very competitive AL West. I think the Angels are better. The Mariners are always tantalizingly close to making the playoffs for the first time since 2001. But I, I really look at the Astros, and, and for anybody that wrote them off, you look at the way Jeremy Pena has played already, replacing Carlos Correa at shortstop, the, the wonderful home run. And by the way, what a great television moment that was. Heidi Watney's interviewing Jeremy's parents as he hits his first major league home run. What an incredible moment that was. So mm-hmm. I, I think we've seen this team, uh, while they've been counted out at different times, keep finding ways to, to win and succeed. I think the Astros are, are built for the playoffs once again. I love that. That was as quick a whip around of what has happened in week one as I had ever hoped. And we got a 20 to one tip in there. Alex Manoa, third or if you're a third or fourth starter, you're going to rack up wins early because you're going to be matched up against, uh, uh, you know, some of the some of the uh, lesser pitchers on the other squad. So uh, that is a great tip at 20 to one. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on the MVP race so far. We're seeing the top of the market right now in the AL is obviously Shoatani. He's done nothing but uh, look impressive. Uh, his velocity, by the way, on his pitching, up a couple of miles per hour. That might be a problem for everyone else in the ALS this year. Um, but uh, he's sitting at the top of the market with Trout and, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. No real shifts there. MVP market in the NL side. We're seeing Soto at the top of the list with uh, Betts and Acuna following. Have you gotten a sense of anyone that uh, could really kind of move the needle early in the, either the top of the market or the long shot so far? Sure. I, I think, first of all, the, the notion of Otani getting better on the mound is just downright frightening. So uh, th- thanks thanks for mentioning that to us, but uh, sorry to all the hitters in the American League on that one. Uh, I, I do think Vlad is off to another great start in, in Toronto. And, and certainly, if it were not for Otani having an historic year, Vlad would have won the MVP last year, I think, quite easily, probably. And so this is where, if there's any diminishment whatsoever in Shohei, if there's an injury or if uh, just the the taxing nature of his job starts to take a toll on him over a full 162. I think Vlad is right there to, to step into the void and, and perhaps become the front runner. But I think a couple of names that you didn't mention in the AL that, that I think deserve consideration. One of them I mentioned already in Alex Bregman. And I like mentioning him here because last year was largely health related, why he was not himself down the stretch. He's been an MVP level performer in the past. Uh, obviously, we understand uh, the context of the 2017 Astros and, and that being part of uh, his career as it is for anybody that played for that franchise. But you look at the way he's playing right now, uh, he looks like an all-star again. And it looks like potentially an MVP-type player. He's gonna, he always plays a, a, certainly a premium defense as well. So for me, Bregman is a name to keep an eye on. Also, somebody else who has been on my MVP ballots in recent years is someone I, I actually voted for in the top spot a number of years ago in the American league on my own baseball writers ballot. That's Jose Ramirez in Cleveland. Now, of course he just gets the long-term contract really settled in there nicely. Someone that I think is underappreciated by the industry at large. He's always there. He's always in the MVP conversation. He's off to another great start this year. So I I think Ramirez and Bregman for me are are two names to watch besides uh, the, the the more obvious names. I think in the national league, um, my pick preseason was Trey Turner, of course, in a contract year with the Dodgers. Uh, You always like going with, with players that you know can accumulate stolen base numbers and, and play a premium defensive position the way Turner does. I think he will add a lot of 
um, defensive value if you look at wins above replacements. I think Trey Turner's a good pick there. And one more guy who we know plays elite defense and I think will probably get better as he gets adjusted better now to his uh, new circumstances is Nolan Arenado in St. Louis. And, and Nolan off to a very good start. I, I looked at it today. I think he's already got seven RBI in three games. I mean, he's just driving and runs. I think it's a good lineup. You, you think about that team, you have a lot of good base runners there. And so I, I think with St. Louis, the ability for them to to manufacture a lot of runs and just create a lot of good situations for Nolan to drive in runs, a lot of favorable counts with Tommy Edmonds' base stealing ability. O'Neill can steal a base. Goldschmidt's always been a very good base runner. There's a lot of athleticism there. Bader, of course, as well, is a very yeah. good defender and a very good base runner. So uh, when you look at a, a, a lineup that's balanced with a lot of athletes like that, it's going to create a lot of favorable offensive situations to produce. And I think Nolan Arenado uh, was used to that in Colorado. I think now that he's fully adjusted to his new team, I would look for a huge year from Nolan Arenado. Right now, 25-1 to 1 to win the National League MVP. I want to get your thoughts, John, before we let you go on the National League Cy Young. You obviously kind of gave your opinion there um, with the with the American League. And I look right now at the odds. Scherzer is the favorite, followed by Burns and then Bueller and Woodruff. And obviously the top of these pitchers here at the top of these odds show the best pitchers in the National League. But last year we kind of saw some, some late pushes end up taking the Cy Young. So who stands out right now with their odds that you think can have a big year, a lot of strikeouts, and as we know, some wins on the board too? Yes, yeah, sir. Great question. I, I Woodruff was my pick to begin uh, the season uh, before the year began as my Cy Young pick in the National League. I think that with the Brewers in general, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, they've got that, that great group of three starters. Uh, I think Woodruff certainly has pitched up to that standard in recent years. But I'll go with a couple of names that maybe are not quite as obvious. Uh, we know the Mets are going to have a great great club and certainly a lot of uncertainties concerning when DeGrom's going to be able to start. But I love Chris Bassett. Uh, moving from the AL to the NL, of course, without the, the DH, we don't quite get that same same bump anymore. But I do think it's it's a favorable spot for him to pitch in. Uh, I think New York is overall, with all the, the good pitching that we see on, on this roster for the Mets, and Scherzer, of course, being there as well, Bassett a little bit under the radar. And sometimes we see uh, on these teams like this, where the there's there's like a co Cy Young candidate that sort of drafts off of the 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 top of the big name right, and I think that Bassett in some respects is, is someone who first start of the year was tremendous for him. I really look at him as being a possible dark horse candidate for the Cy Young. Similarly to Sean Manaya, I think Manaya again. It, you look, I always like looking at pitchers who are going to pitch in a different division in a pitcher-friendly ballpark. So that means the hitters, even if we don't have that same AL to NL gradient because of the DH, mm -hmm. you do have just an unfamiliarity that, that exists. And I think Manaya is someone in San Diego. He knows his manager. It's a great ballpark to pitch in in San Diego. Clearly, he is off to a great start when you look at how he pitched in his first start of the season. And I think that's, that's someone that I'm going to look at closely. He's been able to get deep into games. He's had magical performances in the past, the, the, the ability to, to complete a game or get deep in a game. I think if he's able to really get that, that harmony from a standpoint of uh, durability for the, for the year for Sean Manaya, I look at both Manaya and San Diego and Bassett with the Mets as being two guys who maybe, who maybe aren't the obvious picks with their new teams to be legitimate Scion candidates in the National League. No, that's fantastic. Bassett currently in the 40 to 1 range. And you just sprinkled like all of the best tips for how you really do pick right. apart the value in the early awards market. Uh, you want to grab the longer shots who have the biggest chance to move in over the first couple months of the season. And uh, I think all of those guys make sense. They checked every box. So that was fantastic. 
John, we look forward to seeing you later between the Phillies and Mets game. I know you're in Philly and got to get back to work. If you're not following John on Twitter, do so. You could follow him there at John Morosi. Check out all of his reports and insight, of course, on MLB Network and MLB Network Radio. John, thank you very much. Thanks so much, Sarah and Drew. Have a great baseball season. It's an honor to be with you today. Thank you. The past. So many good tips in there. You have to go back and relook at all of those odds. Um, we have a special programming note for our listeners. Friday, we're teaming up with our Round Ball Stew crew to preview the NBA playoffs. Drew and Von Delzell are joining host Corey Parson to break down every aspect of the postseason with our Round Ball Stew team. We'll also get insight from insiders around the league and hear how the book is taking action from points bet head trader Jay Croucher. So tune in at noon Eastern on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel to watch live. Or, of course, you can check out the audio version in the Round Ball Stew or bet the edge feed wherever you find your podcast. What do you want from your sports book? Better odds, fast and easy live betting. Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sports book partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts all in a fast and reliable sports book. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply. Must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, one 888 3500 in Virginia, 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York, www.pointsbet.com slash terms dash and dash conditions. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavor. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. All right, talked a lot of baseball in there, and we're super excited to now transition because so much is going on. We have the NBA playoffs and playing games beginning tonight. We welcome in Ken Barkley from You Better You Bet. Ken, normally we have your uh, your co-host Nick Costas on, so what a surprise to have you. We're fired up. How are you doing? 
uh, doing great. I was I, I was muted there for a second because I was writing down all of. I don't bet a lot of baseball. <laughs> I was writing down John Cy Youngs. So I was like, wait a minute, yeah, like, yeah. Just go a little slower, John. We got yeah. I got I got I got a pen here. Let's write down the forty to ones. All right, Bassett. We're writing them in our chat right here. I see on the side of our screen. So yeah. not a big baseball better, but. Um, <laughs> Excited to bet some award markets right after this interview, I would say. No, he yeah. gave out some some amazing uh, bets there with long, juicy odds attached to it. So we'll have to go back. I'm going to have to re-listen to our podcast after as well. Uh, but let's get into the play-in game tonight that Drew and I talked about this game a ton yesterday between the Cavs and Nets. And right now, money has come in on Brooklyn, the home team. They're laying nine and a half points. The total, Drew and I like the under. That's come down to 227. What are your thoughts on this game for tonight in Brooklyn? Nets, Cavs, total, what do you think? I think the most interesting thing, Sarah, and it's like, you know, we have these four play-in games, obviously, over the next two nights. This is the only one that almost feels like it's the continuation of a playoff series. And what I mean by that is, like, these teams literally played Friday. They played Friday with, like, complete rosters, with uh, incentives to try hard and win the game. Like, there was an all-in kind of performance by both teams. The Nets ended up winning and actually pulled away in the fourth quarter to cover. They were losing entering the fourth quarter. Or it was a close game, I think, at least entering the fourth quarter. And the Nets pull away and cover. So it's the only one of the four where, like, we just saw this. Like, we literally just saw this. And when you think about playoff series and and kind of what comes to mind immediately, it's, like, adjustments, right? Or familiarity. Like, that's going to be what kind of drives a lot of the market making in the actual playoff series that we're going to talk about. So it, it makes perfect sense. And Drew came on our show, You Better You Bet, yesterday and made like a really impassioned case for the under. Good to hear you're on the under also. So like that makes sense. I think the problem now, right, is, okay, they played Friday. It was 232 and a half. Now it's 226 and a half. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, what is the right answer to this? So rather than kind of get involved with the total, I'll say like, I kind of like the under two. I don't know if I can bet it now in, in this range, but it it's an interesting type of game because of that kind of playoff, almost like game two of a series adjustment situation. My favorite bet on this game right now, honestly, is Cavs in the first half, if I was going to bet something. So as Brooklyn gets steamed out more, you know, eight and a half, nine, nine and a half. And the reason for that is basically there was some question whether Seth Curry was going to be available. I think we all thought he was going to, but confirmed in Dragic no longer in COVID protocols, their backup point guard confirmed in like all systems go and Jared Allen, definitely not going to play for Cleveland. Like all of that in totality is just causing a little bit of movement on Brooklyn. And I think as this keeps getting bet out, obviously the first half is going to be affected too. And one thing when you have a team like Brooklyn and they're awesome, and they don't defend at a high level, like whatsoever. So it's star-driven, million points a game, about like middle of the league in defensive efficiency since about March 1st. Teams like that, they tend to have like an on-off switch. They tend to not necessarily give you like 48 minutes of sound basketball all the time. <laughs> We've seen this with the Nets, and Drew obviously, you know, I know, watches a ton of NBA. No. Like it was the Knicks game last week where had to come back in the fourth quarter and covered, like and covered, but had to come back in the fourth quarter. It was yeah. the Cavs on Friday, down in the fourth quarter, put together this huge fourth quarter, have to cover. Like when they when they flip that switch, like it's awesome. I mean, it's great, but. Like, do they even have to do it here? Like, I mean, just expected to win by margin, obviously. Um, I think if you, especially if you, we start seeing sixes on the Cavs in the first half, just with the, the current point spread, obviously, of nine and a half, you could see something like that. It's already five and a half juiced in most places. Um, that would probably be my favorite bet. I will say I'm kind of with you guys on the under. I don't know if I'll have a ticket, but if I was going to bet the total, that's where I would go as well. Yeah, Cleveland in general has been a very solid first quarter, first half team this season also. Um, they like to really try to get out to good starts. That's part of their DNA. And uh, you're right. Uh, the Nets are a flip-the-switch defensive team because they're doing it with effort, not talent. 
it's their scheme particular like forces them to try hard if they are going to play even passable defense so uh i think that uh, is a good breakdown i'm going to look to add a little bit of Cavs first half there um the uh, hornets and the hawks uh is another game where i kind of scratched my head when i saw this get out to four and a half um <laughs> these two teams I mean, this is a little bit of Spider-Man meme. Like they, they're kind of the same. They have the same kind of issues generally. Um, neither defends the rim especially well. Both have liabilities defensively at the guard positions. Um, you know, why can you make sense as to why this is a four and a half point spread? Is it all about the experience that and the fact that the Hawks were Eastern Conference finalists last year and they're getting the respecters for some reason? Yeah, I, I think that's it. And I think also. I think you're probably noticing this too, Drew, just the home court advantage in these four games is a little (laughs) off the charts and it's tough to, it's tough to parse through it. Right. Cause the game we just talked about, Brooklyn's always going to be favored by, it doesn't matter that you play the game on the moon. They're going to be favored by a million. It doesn't matter home court advantage there. But I think with the new Orleans, San Antonio game taking place on Wednesday and then this game, it's like, oh man, two pretty equal teams and home courts like doing a lot of the heavy lifting probably for, for what's going to take place in the game. I mean, look, yeah, I think, if I had to bet the side, I would probably bet Charlotte. Am I dying to bet them at four and a half? Like, not really, but it's probably pretty close. And if I had to, I would bet Charlotte. You could also make an argument to just take them on the money line. High total game, high variance game, million three-pointers, no defense. Okay, dog's going to win a little bit more often, right? Like, that's going to happen yeah. a little bit more maybe than the market's pricing in. So I think that makes sense, too. My favorite bet on this game, and this is just... This makes me sound like an idiot to say it out loud with what Drew just introed with. I like the under in this game a lot. <laughs> so there's a couple <laughs> things. There's a couple things I think that that favor uh, an under. And one is for whatever reason, the market has priced the meetings between these two teams this year like it's always going to be fireworks, like it's going to yeah. be this insane high-scoring game. Their last meeting, which was about a month ago, the market closed 240 as the total in the game. Now the problem is, and the market has closed very highly in their other matchups. Uh 230s mid 230s and for whatever reason it just it's not fitting together that way when they actually play basketball that doesn't happen (laughs) like we keep expecting fireworks we keep expecting fireworks and it's just not happening and here we go again and we have another total that's like astronomical and it's just like not how the pace of the game is gone it's not how the teams necessarily want to play against each other so i'm just really skeptical again that that's what we're going to get and one extra wrinkle i think that helps me here if John Collins is actually going to ever play in this game, and there was a quote yesterday in The Athletic, basically, I'm not still not sure. Like, I actually might play. If there's any doubt about that whatsoever, like, that's going to help me because it's fitting like a square peg into a round hole with the rotation that they've been rolling out there. Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to play in this game. He's basically telling you that his knee is in constant agony and can't play very much like, okay, like, what's... Like we're going to run up and down and the Hawks are going to have the exact rotation that they want. So just like a couple question marks, I think Atlanta wise, which make me like Charlotte a little bit, but honestly, these teams just haven't played games like this recently. And we keep expecting it. If we're going to expect it again, then I'm going to play the under. I think that's going to be my better. We saw this open around 238 and a half, and currently it's 236. So people clearly see the value in the under as well. Um, and if I'm just looking at the, the three times they met this season, two of the three games, and you mentioned the totals went under. So two and one to the under. And the first meeting, Sarah, to be fair, because I, I know I know where you're mm-hmm. going here. You're absolutely right. The first meeting, Charlotte had like six active players. None of their players played in that game. That's right. And the, the yeah. game landed like 290. It was a crazy high scoring game, but that's. I mean, that might as well have been played by Duke and North Carolina or something. It could have been two totally different teams. Didn't have to be these teams. So I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, Nick Nick Richards got uh, got the start. Yeah. 
Nick Richards. Loved him. Loved him at Kentucky. Great player. Yep. 64% of the handle on this game without Nick Richards getting the start on the Hawks to cover. Um, let's get into some series prices here. I'm looking now at the 76ers and Raptors, and the series price is all over the Sixers. Minus 200 Raptors, plus 165. If you want to look into the handicap, 76ers, minus one and a half games, you could find that plus 100. Raptors, obviously, on the other side, plus one and a half games, minus 130. This is really interesting, and I've, I've heard um, and, and seen a lot of people on Twitter in our space kind of liking Toronto to get the upset. I think their lack of depth may scare some people. What are your thoughts on this series? And do you have any wagers in the 76ers or Raptors futures market that's holding you to not bet this? It's uh, It feels like a series that's designed like NBA Twitter wants the series to exist so it, it can prank Philadelphia to the maximum possible degree. <laughs> like it feels like the series is one giant setup basically. And just what I mean by that is, okay, you have the I can't emphasize this enough. You have the strongest coaching mismatch you could possibly yeah. imagine over the course of a seven game series. Like, let's take Doc Rivers and like for all the great things about Doc Rivers and he's won an NBA championship. Like no one would say he's like the X's and O's like adjustments throughout the series guy. No one would ever say that. And he's facing Nick Nurse, who's basically like Greg Popovich Jr. with this stuff, or like Eric Spolstra. Like he's exactly the guy that you want to try to solve this puzzle, basically. Okay huge advantage Raptors and like opportunity to, and also, Oh, by the way, Doc Rivers might become the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. The second that his team is eliminated from the playoffs, he also doesn't really seem to get along with James Harden and has constantly thrown him under the bus in every media appearance that he's done. So it's like, all right, I mean, that's an advantage for the Raptors. Joel Embiid, like the best player in the series. What do we know about Joel Embiid? Well, as series go on, tends to play worse and worse and worse and worse and get worn down and like not play very well. Okay, who's the Sixers' second best player? Oh, it's James Harden, like the guy who you would have Nick Richards in a game seven before you would have James Harden on your team. Like it's just, it's all of these things in combination. And though they're not like mathematical, there's not like a statistic around them necessarily. Like, don't they all have to matter? <laughs> like, doesn't all of this have to matter a lot? So I think like the valuable bet, look, could the Sixers win the series? Sure. Embiid could average 40 and 20. They have no answer for him. And he could stay healthy. And like the Thibel thing could not matter very much. He's obviously not going to play in the Toronto games. Okay, cool. Like there's a path to victory. Sure but like, I think the valuable bet has to be Toronto to win a long series. I think that has yeah. to be it. Like, and I don't want to play Toronto 165. Like their path to victory is probably Sixers, probably win game one, honestly. That might not be a, a crazy bet or win the first two games. Nick Nurse makes, makes the adjustments. Joel Embiid starts complaining about knee soreness. James Harden goes 0 for 25. And it's like, yeah, Raptors to win in six is like six to one right now. And like home game, three, two. So I don't, I don't know, like the, the way to play this kind of Sixers collapse narrative or whatever, or that it's Doc Rivers and Embiid and Harden, I think is to play a long series. And if it plays a long series, that's way advantage Toronto in that situation. So I think Toronto to win a long series, like create a valuable bet for yourself. Don't just, I wouldn't be playing 165 in here with Toronto with Philly, like much more likely to get off to a good start. I'd be playing Toronto late basically. Yeah. We're on the same exact page there. I think the Sixers are value for game one. I bet the minus fours. I think that closes five and a half, six. I think in general, Sixers, the 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 minute that the Raptors get their second win in this series, Sixers are in trouble. Right. Uh, <laughs> Doc starts interviewing for the Lakers. Sixers, so Sixers are in trouble. Yeah. Right. Because I gotta tell you, it's advantage Toronto in game six, and it's advantage Toronto in game seven. And 
if you know so all you need to do is get to that point in the series and toronto all of a sudden is the favorite i think you're absolutely right um either get involved now at a Raptors, you know raptor because because you're right sixers could win 4-1 i that wouldn't shock me at all this sure. is a bimodal deal this is either short series sixers or long series raptors and um, I think realistically, you bet the Sixers game by game early and then grab the best price available on the Raptors when they go mm. back to Toronto. So that'll be a fun way to play it. Um, a series that I am expecting less intrigue, <laughs> less back and what forth. What do you mean? What do you mean? Is, Bucks, is Bucks, uh, Bucks versus the Bulls. Um, Bulls here. Uh, congratulations. Great series. I mean, great I season, guys. I was waiting uh, to see what you were going to say about the Bulls right off the bat. I mean, great, great season, guys. Billy Donovan, really nicely done for at least the first half of the season, getting this team in position to be here and not have to play your way in. Um, but boy, oh boy, over the last couple of months, they are performing like a bottom 10 NBA team. And now they draw the mighty Bucks coming in, defending champions, Giannis healthy, uh, you know, Big three healthy, Brooke Lopez back. This is about as big a mismatch as you can make on paper. The real head scratcher and question mark was Bucks minus two and a half games, open oh, yeah. minus 110. Mm. And that didn't make a ton of sense to me. It has gotten steamed out to minus 191. Assuming you've missed, if, if you're listening to this now and you've missed the train on that price, is there a way to play the series? Right. I think that's, I mean, I would say the million dollar question, but with the two and a half minus 110, you definitely couldn't bet a million dollars on that number. Definitely could bet maybe a dollar on I that know, number. Yeah, a couple, yeah couple just dollars, the, uh, yeah. you know, they were probably taking a lot of bets, but they probably weren't very big bets because they didn't really want a lot of very big bets on that, on a number like that. And we've seen it, we've seen it move, obviously, as, as you've mentioned. Yeah. Just to put in perspective, you know, I think people see the records for teams sometimes and think like, well, wait a minute, you know, like the Bulls have a chance in this series, don't they? Like, look at how many games they won this year. Look at, like, their overall body of work or look at Milwaukee's overall body of work. If you just go by, like, March 1st on, like, splits that way or second half of the season would be another way to kind of uh, chop it up a little bit. So, yeah, Cleveland is probably the team that's underperformed the most versus how they played in the first half. But, like, behind them even, and I mean behind them, like, the 28th best team probably in the NBA since March 1st, 28th. Yeah. There's 30 teams for people who are trying to figure that out. 28th <laughs> is probably Chicago. They don't do anything well, really, since March 1st. They don't do anything well. Uh, one of their best players, Zach Levine, is playing in constant pain and like should probably not play anymore this year and is going to keep playing because he's really good and like a tough player. But that's a pretty strong negative. Lonzo Ball is not going to come back, obviously, for this series or for the rest of the playoffs. So it's shorthanded, bad Chicago so, yeah, I mean, am I telling anybody anything they don't already know? Probably not. But just to really emphasize, I would not get crazy with any kind of underdog type stuff here. Like, I don't maybe it's Bucks 4-0. Maybe it's Bucks 4-1. Like, obviously, the two and a half encapsulates both of those. So, like, that was the valuable bet. Now, do you want to lay minus 250 or minus 200 on it? Maybe for like a little bit, I guess, something like that. I do think the question is more about sweep or gentleman sweep. Uh, I give Chicago no chance in the series, barring like a ton of injuries. So if that's what we're talking about, then yeah, it's the Bucks roll to the next round. I wish I had something more interesting to tell you about the series, but the market kind of tells you all you need <laughs> well, to know. Let me ask really you just, then, you know. then. Let me ask you. I look at the Bucks pricing okay. in the Eastern Conference broadly, and considering that they're going to have to go through Boston and then go through Miami, it looks like they're a little over or Brooklyn or Brooklyn or Brooklyn, Miami. Or Brooklyn and Miami. It looks like they're a, like it's. It looks like the market is a little bit uh, bullish on them compared to where I am number wise. What is your read on the Bucks broadly across the Eastern Conference? I mean, I think they are from a like rating standpoint, the best rated team would probably be like the right way to put it. But their path is so much more difficult than Miami mm -hmm. that 
that kind of overcomes that basically for me in terms of like handicapping them. Like what, so I think kind of another way, another question that you're asking here is like, what would be my entry point to bet Milwaukee in some way? Like how would I bet if I was going to bet Milwaukee, like what should I do? Should I wait? And I'm going, well, the market's kind of pricing it like they're minus a thousand in the series to be perfectly honest. And we are, if you felt like there was a next opponent where an upset was more possible. So let's say Boston was playing a bad team and you thought that bad team was actually pretty live. Okay. Maybe you bet Milwaukee. Now the, you get that bad team through like your price looks amazing, but that's sure. not this, you know, Milwaukee is assured of a very, very highly rated second round opponent. And basically I think guaranteed of Miami in the conference finals. If we end up getting there, if the path is that assured, then there can't be an entry point right now. It would only be if there was like mystery or uncertainty about who the future opponents were going to be. Then maybe like you could really have a case. So the question would really be, do you bet Miami now for a couple of reasons? Or do you bet like Phoenix in the West now with all the injuries over there, like Luka Doncic, Steph Curry's availability? Okay, like that's mystery. That's uncertainty. That could mean Phoenix is more valuable down the road. In the Eastern Conference with Miami, it's basically, what if Philly doesn't get out of this series? Like, which we just <laughs> talked about. Like we yeah. think that actually might happen. Okay, if that doesn't happen, Miami becomes more valuable without playing a game. And they're obviously going to play a series. If we think Charlotte's going to beat Atlanta and maybe make it to that, get that eight seed, something like that. Okay. So right now it's a little better. Eastern conference champion market has moved. The bucks were plus 300, three to one. We're currently looking at plus 240. before we let you go. Ken, I want both of your opinions. Sure. Obviously this could shake out a ton of different ways and kind of, I'll start with you. I'm curious. What do you do now? Not worrying about the other series and how they play out. If I were to ask, give your best advice to betters looking to get involved in this market. What do you think? Uh, if it's, if it's about like, you have to enter the market now, I think you have to bet Miami and I think you have to bet Phoenix. And I, I would almost even bet an exact finals of like an exact result of Phoenix over Miami, something like that. I think Phoenix is by far the most worthy champion. I'm not even sure there's another worthy champion in the mix. Yeah. I, I strongly agree with that. Obviously, if you're new to the show, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Will and I talk all the time. If you couldn't figure that out and we watch a lot of NBA and talk a lot of NBA together, if you couldn't figure that out. Yeah. Uh, And I agree. I think, I mean, the heat, were the biggest winners of last week. They only have to play one of the other contenders in the East yeah. to go to the finals. And then they don't really, you know, they match up about as well with Boston, about as well with the Bucks, about as well with the Nets. So they don't, it doesn't really matter to them. Like they're going to draw one of those teams. They're going to have them in the home series. And presumably whichever team emerges from that kind of very, very volatile, fiery, you know, battle uh, is going to be beaten up. <laughs> and they're in Miami, probably going to be rested and they're going to be home. And they're going to be healthy. So uh, I don't know that Heat would be my pick for sure to get there. But I do know that if you're betting them plus 450 right now, you're going to feel feel very good when they have a two or three day rest advantage. And you see the round two between Boston and Milwaukee is going to game seven and it's a pick them and it's going to be, you know, just an absolute physical bloodbath. So um, it's, uh, you know, it's it's heater pass in the east. And I think, uh, you know, I'm excited to bet series by series. Uh, I think you're going to catch. A good price on the Celtics against the Nets. I think you're going to catch a good price on the Celtics against the Bucks. And I think the Heat Celtics series, I would lean Heat if, you know, frankly. Um, but it, and that's uh, something you've still, talked yeah. about, you know, leading up into the playoffs, Drew, depending where if the Heat got the one seed and where Brooklyn fell, et cetera. So not surprised by yours. And I could tell you guys chat a lot. I feel like I'm talking to a very yeah. similar person <laughs> in the you NBA. Know, and, you know, and you know what? You know what the best part of all this is? 
Uh, here we sit before they've even played the first play-in game. So congratulations to the Cleveland Cavaliers on the seventh seed and yeah. all of this being you know, right out right out the window. Raptors, <laughs> Eastern Conference Finals, all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> all that stuff. Yes, well, I know we'll continue to talk about it on this show during the week and on Friday with the NBA preview show, and we'll see how the games play out tonight, and we'll see how we feel about our Miami Heat bets. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm not laying a 1,000 on the Milwaukee Bucks in this series, plain and simple, not happening. Uh, you can follow Ken on Twitter at Lockie Lockerson. Check him and Nick Costosa every single weekday, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern on You Better You Bet. Ken, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. This is a programming reminder for all of our listeners. Do not forget about our Bet the Edge game time show this Wednesday, tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern. Drew and I are going to get you armed with all the last minute insight, information, and trends you'll need to make your wagers before the games begin. So make sure to check it out on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. That is tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern. And the best is we are running up into the true single elimination play-in games, which is going to be super fun to break down. And uh, I have strong opinions about sides and totals in both games tomorrow. I'm all ears so be tomorrow. Sh- be sure to tune in because I'm not giving you any of those tips today. You'll have to tune in tomorrow at 3 p.m. Pacific. Oh, just the listeners. Okay, good. I'll tell you about what I'm playing. Okay, well, everyone else better tune in live if you want to get Drew's <laughs> tips, and trust me, you do. But you will give out a tip and a play today. We end our show with Edge of the Day. Best bet on the board in the association. What say you, Drew? Yeah, chalk for me in this Timberwolves-Clippers matchup. The Clippers, congratulations on fighting hard. And in general, um, I I get why there are some people that have grabbed some long shot prices on them to do something in the West. Uh, I don't think we are seeing Kawhi Leonard come back these playoffs. I don't. Uh, love what I'm seeing from Paul George in terms of exactly you know him him being able to replicate some of the playoff magic that he was able to put on display last year when the Clippers went on their run to the Western Conference Finals. Timberwolves, on the other hand, have a closing five that I find to be absolutely perfect for this exact type of a situation, a one-and-done playoff game. Um, there are two ways that this game state plays out, in my opinion. The Clippers tend to start slow. Timberwolves either gather a relatively strong lead um, and then you know basically play keep away in the second half or uh, this game is competitive and in that case it comes down to who's got the better closing five and for me that is the Timberwolves by a meaningful margin I think uh, Carl Anthony Towns uh, is an absolutely nightmare matchup for mm-hmm. the Clippers from an offensive standpoint and uh, Pat Beverly uh, gets a chance to do a little bit of uh, flexing on his old team, the Clippers, and uh, really make their lives miserable tonight. Minnesota being at home and the energy in the uh, uh, in that in that arena is going to be high for them to punch their tickets to the playoffs for the first time in forever. Uh, this is going to be a great fun game. Timberwolves get the win, get the cover, and I laid the points. Okay. Well, yesterday there was so much money coming in on the Clippers, but times have changed since today. 52% of the handle on the T-Wolves now, so a little bit better as limits probably went up as we get later into the day and Minnesota have been so good at home. That place is going to be rocking 21 and six straight up as a home favorite this year. Get the cover, get the win. Let's get the T-Wolves a victory. Um, what was that? 21 and six? 21 and six as a yes. home favorite. Nice. Yeah. I love it. 16, 10 and one against the number as a home favorite. So That's they've been good. Nice. In yeah. the How about that? All right. Let's, uh, let's round out the show and I'm going to give out a prop for my edge of the day. And I am curious to get your opinion on it. Taking a look at Karis LeVert and I like the under 17 and a half points. I know he's averaged 17 this season, but that was before the trade. Um, since he got traded, averaging just around 13.6 points per game since he joined the Cavs and he did play for Brooklyn 
for four seasons. I know some people are making the case that it could be some, you know, welcome back revenge game that is long gone. This is a play in game. Uh, he put up 16 points on Friday against the Brooklyn Nets against this same team. He played in 34 minutes. Maybe he sees a little bit more time tonight if it's a close game, but if not, I think they're going to get him some rest and get ready for the next game at hand. He's gone over this number just three times since joining the Cavs over 17 and a half points. Great ball mover. Um, but I like the under, I like the under in the game that came down. I like Harris Levert to go under his points total tonight, which is sitting at 17 and a half Drew. Yeah, I can entirely see this happening. I mean, that the nets are going to have a tough decision on their hands about how they deploy their defense. Um, they can't stop Garland. So I think mm -hmm. they're going to have to double down on Levert. Uh, he was five of 10 shooting, which was pretty good for him. Uh, in the last contest, only took the one three-pointer. So it's gonna he's going to have to get it done the hard way. He got to 16 points thanks to getting to the free throw line eight yeah. times. Uh, if it's a little bit tighter whistle, then he's in trouble. So that's a fun way to play this game. Okay, so I know you like the under as well. You grabbed the points with the Cavs yesterday, and now we're taking the under. I am 17 and a half points at the Nets, and I'm rooting for the T-Wolves to cover the three at home and get it done. Tomorrow, 6 p.m., don't forget, that is the Bet the Edge Game Time Edition right here on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel live. Be sure to comment along in the chat with insights and whatever else you want to talk about tomorrow. We'll, we'll be sure to read your comments and questions live on the show. For Jordensic, I'm Sarah Perlman. Thanks for being with us here on Bet the Edge, powered by Points bet. Have a great rest of your day. And of course, best of luck with all your bets. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.